You are listening to Propelling, a Micro Drones podcast. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. Today we're going to take a trip across the pond and discuss the Australian markets and its trends and needs. I'm happy to be joined again by Mike Dziak. How you doing, Mike? I'm good. How are you today, Elmer? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for joining us. And we're joined by Darren Wilkinson. How you doing, Darren? Yeah, I'm well. Thanks, Elmer. Thank you. Uh, so, so it's morning for you, right? Yes, that's correct. It's a beautiful morning in northern Queensland. Northern Queensland, beautiful, beautiful. So, uh, let's uh, let's just let's to get everyone on the same page. Why don't we talk a little bit about uh, Darren? What? How did you get involved in this industry? Where Where are you coming from? Uh, uh, how, how did you make it to micro drones? Yeah, I guess um, I've been a professional aerial surveyor photogrammetrist um, for a long time, and uh, I fell into the UAV scene um, when the first survey grade UAV was released in Australia in 2011. And um, I worked with a company to promote that UAV uh, uh, for about 18 months, mainly through the mining industry. And um, one thing led to another I set up UAV business, worked for startups. And um, then uh, I sort of uh, fell into micro drones uh, earlier this year in March as a result of all of that. Yeah, and this, this seems perfect, right? Addressed as micro drones is transitioning from uh, you know, a drone company to a, a spatial solutions company. So it seems like a, like a perfect fit. <laughs> yeah, look, absolutely, Emma. And that's, I guess, um, one of the things is uh, since I've been in the industry, I've been tracking micro drones progress. And uh, once I understood uh, some of the more recent history, I just realized that the time is right to jump in and uh, help elevate micro drones profile in the region. Yeah, yeah. So what, uh, what specifically have you noticed about the, uh, you know, the markets you're working in that you think that someone, you know, a foreigner might not uh, initially get or, or, or see? Is there anything that stands out? Yeah, I guess... Um, the one thing that stood out, I guess, is is that Australia has actually legislated the use of small UAVs in 2002. Um, so as a result, uh, by the time they started to become widely used commercially, in uh, probably you know, around 2029, 2010, um, we had a fairly mature market. And uh, I understood uh, sort of within a few years that actually countries like the US, Canada, and, and most of Europe were, were probably lagging a couple of years behind. And, and why do you think they were behind? Was it just, uh, you know, that the, the, the commercial adoption took a little bit longer or, or what? Yeah, look, I think so. It was a commercial adoption and, and, and moreover, I guess, the, the regulation, the, the regulatory environment sort of uh, hadn't moved as quickly. Um, that said, um, the rest of, you know, all those countries I referred to actually caught up fairly quickly. Um, but uh, by that stage, Australia had um, Australia was, uh, I guess, well, to put it in perspective, um, in 2012, there were 20 um, authorised commercial operators uh, that were registered with CASA. Um, and about two to three years later, the, that number had gone up north of 600. And at the moment, there are uh, last, when I checked yesterday, there are over 1,300 um, compliant operators registered in Australia. Yeah. So last time we, Mike and I were talking with our guests, we were talking about how the, 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 the trends tended to shift more towards people not knowing really the possibilities that, that were available with drones. Do you think that was a similar thing you were noticing in your regions? Do you find that the people you're working with are, you know, tend to be kind of surprised at this untapped potential? 
Um, not not these days, but definitely maybe even up until a couple of years ago, there was definitely an element of that. You know, the drones are such a ubiquitous piece of equipment. People were just wanting to um, get a drone, uh, weren't too sure exactly what they're going to do with it, but they just wanted one. And uh, they're such an evocative piece of technology. And uh, I think once um, you started to put a drone with uh, some capable uh, sensors in the hands of a surveyor or an engineer or a or a or a guy who's doing inspections. Um, he really understood the um, what you know the potential uh, of that tool. Right, right. And I think that kind of leads me into my next question. Uh, in our pre-interview survey, we asked you what do you see as some of the biggest challenges in the industry, right? And then you you responded that in the context of drones in the geospatial industry, education. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, look, I guess. It's probably two parts that, that I see or two opportunities that I see um, for education. Firstly, it's the, um, in, the, in terms of geospatial industry, um, our, our tertiary educations aren't teaching at this point people to be qualified to use drones uh, in a similar fashion they would be to, uh, to be qualified to use other spatial gathering tools like GPS and, and, and laser scanners and so forth. So that void is partially being filled by some very good training uh, organisations. Some of them actually registered training organisations in Australia, so they can offer certificate level courses, but those courses aren't integrated. Um, the, the other thing, and this is coming from a, a professional uh, standpoint, is there are people who are not qualified geospatial professionals who are buying drones and, uh, and then purporting to be surveyors or aerial surveyors. So it actually confuses the market a bit. So, um, and, and the people who are doing that are often doing it unwittingly um, and, and, uh, and, and leave themselves open to, um, uh, leave themselves open to, uh, uh, I guess, legal action if, if they deliver a survey or deliver a spatial product and it is, is in fact not signed off by someone who's authorised to sign that, uh, that information off. So the education needs to happen, um, I guess, in both of those areas. Yeah, yeah, no, I, and I think that's that's totally right, and that's that's only going to help, right? The the more educated people are, the the safer things are going to be, and the, the the more efficient. So how how what what's it been like trying to you know establish uh, you know the proper business infrastructure to provide you know local servicing and and support and training in, in your areas. Um, look, I guess it's um, we're almost there. To be honest, it, it, it's a process has taken a few months, and I commenced uh, with micro drones in March, and it was on the table. Um, the expansion plans were on the table then, so so really, it's uh, it's just a, it's just a process, um, and uh, I, I guess because we have the uh, we have that the, that infrastructure set up in in both Canada and in Germany. Um, we, we lean on, on those guys there for some of their systems, uh, the safety systems, and obviously their, their uh, FAA compliance or their operating certificates. So. Darren, could I, could I jump in? Uh, tell us a little bit about the ideal customer or the ideal company that you speak with that you see as a good fit for MicroDrone's uh, fully integrated system. Yeah, look, the, the ideal customer for MicroDrone's for sure is, say, is a mature uh, organization who have either drones as part of their day-to-day -day business, such as a, a mining or a civil contracting company, um, uh, or alternatively, it would be a mature a services provider, so a contracting company who conducts services 
such as aerial surveying, um, volumetric calculations, environmental services, uh, 3D modeling, that type of work. So they, they need to be a mature customer because um, our, our gear is extremely capable. Um, it's a bit more sophisticated uh, than the average off-the-shelf prosumer drone. And, um, and we need people who are using our gear to, un to understand how to be able to leverage the technology that's built into it. And, and that's a, you know, a recurring theme, it seems, globally, is that, uh, of course, you can't just pull someone off the street to fly a drone, but you also can't expect um, someone that even has their drone pilot certification for that region to get good results. It, it needs to be backed and supervised by someone with a geomatics background. Do you see companies that are, are doing this the right way in implementing drones? Um, do they have dedicated staff? Yes, look, most definitely uh, they do. The, the companies who are doing it right will generally have um, people who are, as I've always called it, surveyors first and pilots second. Um, but uh, as, uh, I mean, the, the equipment that's being used is um, is fairly intuitive. It doesn't matter what brand you use. Uh, and the training is, is quite thorough. So you find that that the surveyors who, who become pilots are actually become quite competent um, in a in a reasonable amount of time, so I'm pretty pretty confident that that safety level um, or the safety is is being maintained. Uh, there are definitely some organisations who, especially if they're flying more sophisticated and terribly expensive pieces of equipment, are more than happy to have a professional pilot pilot that equipment purely because of the um, well, I guess the the many hundreds or thousands of hours they may have with the equipment. So um, I guess it, it depends on the organization. Has there been a, a you know, what do you think has been the, the, the biggest use case you've seen uh, in, in your region that, that you're getting customers for? I guess look, the, the biggest use case is definitely anything to do with, um, with high value commodities in dynamic environments. So we're talking about, we're talking about mining, we're talking about exploration, we're talking about large civil construction uh, con uh, scenarios so where there's a, a constant requirement for situational awareness uh, by capturing ortho photography uh, volumetric surveys um, so whether that's with uh, uh, photography or, or lidar um, another massive use case is uh, in any environment uh, which uh, eliminates the requirement to work at heights or to have an elevator work platform so there's a whole um, sector opening up for industrial inspection, uh, both for um, process infrastructure in mining and oil and gas, but also linear transport infrastructure. So where you've got, um, we've got rail corridors, they're a very busy corridor. There's a lot going on, apart from the obvious danger of trains. Um, there are a lot of assets that need to be um, constantly reviewed, and that lends itself to, uh, to, to the use of a drone. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. It's kind of interesting how something like this was completely uh, impossible or unimaginable at a certain time, right? And now we're at this point. So, and one of my last questions for you, Darren, is, you know, it's it seems like this is, you know, that that's good that that your clients seem like generally educated and and aware of what their needs are. But for in regards to your client base, do you find that more of them are people you're having to pitch to or people? already out there looking for a specific solution and and they're just shopping around different options 
Look, a, a bit of both. Um, people will always shop around. I guess that's just just human nature. Uh, but I guess the um, in terms of creating the, the brand awareness for micro drones um, is is not terribly difficult because we do have a, a good reseller network. Um, I guess my own sort of involvement in the industry for a long time, people know what I'm up to. But also, I go back to the fact we do have a, a quite a mature market, and they're actively seeking the next best thing. So, um, you know, we do get quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of interest in our product range. Darren, what do you like about selling micro drones? Are there some specific uh, traits of the company, or features of the system, or benefits that stand out that, that make it, you know, easy to sell? I think. Um, a couple of standouts uh, that are resonating well with the market here is, is, is firstly, um, I guess, that the size and the form factor for such a relatively light um, aircraft. So if we look at the MD-41000, um, its form factor allows operators to, to push the, uh, the drone out further and still maintaining visual line of sight. Um, that's, that's actually um, something I never really thought of until I got into micro drones. Uh, the, the, the second thing that is, um, is really resonating is the fact that, that they are observing a, uh, I guess, the genesis of a, of a product and a brand that's been around for a long time. They're seeing the geospatial solutions being rolled into a, to be, to get being rolled into the actual drone platform itself. And, and they're seeing progress and we do have some announcements, um, uh, which which will be coming out in the next few months, uh, and uh, and the market's very much looking forward to those. What do you see as the next big product? Um, you know, talk about micro drones, or talk about the industry in general in terms of sensors and and systems. Oh, look, mo most definitely the next big product is um, is the is a is a, a high quality laser scanner solution. Um, laser scanning is quite ubiquitous in in a lot of civil construction and mining projects. It forms part of the the GIS and BIM ecosystem, uh, so that's definitely the next biggest thing. Uh, the next biggest thing's actually already happened recently uh, with an Australian client. We delivered a uh, a three thousand with a phase one camera integrated, and so that guy is uh, using that for a number of mapping and three D modelling projects. And when you have the right customers, this is another. It's a very important piece of equipment, but they're starting to think of the investment along the same lines of a, a big excavator or, or something. You're seeing these things in the same environments as construction sites. Yeah, look, that, that's right. And that's another, I guess that's another way that um, I promote our products within Australia because we're talking about people who are looking for a return on investment. So we can start having conversations about what does that return on investment look like in terms of, in terms of man hours, in terms of safety KPIs being hit. Uh, we can talk about um, uh, procurement models. We can talk about co uh, capital expenditure and operational expenditure. Um, all of a sudden, the requirement to spend a, a decent amount of money on a drone doesn't seem so bad when you can write it off as an operational expenditure. So, so we're able to have those sorts of conversations to push our product into those, uh, into those uh, environments that you mentioned. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, and then Darren, yeah, thank you too, too. Thanks for uh, putting up with the time difference. Yeah, look, no sweat. <laughs> I work, I work both, I work both countries uh, to my advantage. <laughs> fine. Propelling 
a Micro Drones podcast.